Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how to save your career before it kicks the bucket. This episode, you will want to listen up to no matter where you are within your career. It is about staying relevant and it is about developing your skills and developing your career so it lends itself towards success. Today, I brought on Fawn Germer, a four-time Pulitzer Prize nominee and best-selling author of nine books, including an Oprah book. Fawn is a global keynote speaker who has presented to more than 80 Fortune 500 companies for her new book, Coming Back. This four-time Pulitzer-nominated journalist interviewed more than 300 CEOs, senior executives, professors, workplace consultants, and professionals to find out why so many professionals sputter out mid-career. We're going to talk about how to keep our careers alive, and it's going to be amazing. So, as you can see, Fawn is going to be amazing. We're going to have a very interactive discussion here about how to stay relevant in an ever-changing world here. So you're going to make sure, keep your headphones on, you keep your volume up, and make sure to stay tuned. This is episode 203 of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Fawn, how are you doing today? I'm fine. I like that intro. I say like, that would have been a great title for the book, How to Save Your Career Before It Kicks the Bucket. You know, I have to actually give a shout out there to, I think it was Rafaela, someone who works for our company and the podcast team, but she gave that idea there. And I think it just pops out, right? It stands out. It's perfect. So let's talk about that. I think that this episode is going to shape into the concept of staying relevant. I know you and I had a conversation beforehand in which I was really engaged and I just thought it was so interesting. But I want to kick out this episode talking about the big problem. So what is this big problem that you discovered in helping all of these professionals and executives who had these dying careers? And it's not just them. It's that's what made me realize that it was a four alarm fire because I went to a leadership conference where I was speaking. We all went to the lounge afterwards. And as people started drinking, they started talking and their lips got a little looser the more they were drinking. And these are people who are very visible, well-known executives at major, major companies. So they're very high up. And they started talking about how they were getting sidetracked and some felt pushed out as they were hitting their 50s. And I thought, wow. This is the very same conversation I'm having with friends and neighbors. And it just never occurred to me that people who were making the rules in the workplace were suddenly being victimized by it. So I thought, oh, I've got this book. I know what it's going to be. It's going to be all about age discrimination. Isn't that terrible? How do we fight age discrimination? And I am a former journalist, and I can't stand these books where you see these people writing and they're just Googling their talking points and it's just a bunch of garbage. And so I thought I'm doing this journalistically. And I did so many interviews, 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 interviews. And it wasn't long before I realized that, yes, age discrimination is rampant. But the issue isn't age discrimination as much as it is something called relevance. And that is important to your career, whether you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, it doesn't matter. So this is something that you have to constantly chase in order to define yourself as current and relevant. And the reason that becomes an issue 
at, with age discrimination is that as people age, there is an assumption that they are not relevant because so many people as they age didn't do what they needed to do technologically to keep up. There was a massive delusion where it's like, oh, I'm tech savvy. I know how to use Facebook, right? And the whole world has changed. Artificial intelligence, blockchain, big data, machine learning, and people don't even know what it is. So you get lumped into the the has-been bucket, and that happens even if you're younger and you're not keeping up, or if you've taken a time out to have a kid or travel the world. If there's a gap, there's an assumption that you're not current. Absolutely. And I really don't want to downplay people's fears here of age discrimination, right? Because I've given plenty of talks and webinars and we have this Austin Job Seekers meetup group. And, you know, if I could tell you how many times people bring up the fear of age discrimination on the resume, it's a very real concern. I think a lot of people feel like they're being pushed out or the resume is getting tossed to the side just because they're looked at as older. And and I think that, yes, there is truth to that. But at, at the same time, I think these people need to realize that relevance sometimes is a really big piece of that. And the resumes may not have the skill set that these recruiters are looking for today, not that they were looking for five to 10 years ago. And if I had a very gentle way of bringing that up, I think I would every time. So I think this podcast is going to be great to really bring the truth and bring reality to people who need to hear it, right? The truth is that age discrimination is rampant. It is an explanation. It is not an excuse. And so in order to get beyond it, You have to figure out, even if 75% of the people say they are being discriminated by age, and there are so many studies all over the place, but the worst says, you know, 60 to 70%, right? But just say that. That means that at least 25 to 40% aren't experiencing age discrimination and that they're having thriving careers. So what you have to do is figure out what it takes to get in the 40% that's okay. And that's when you start saying, yes, age discrimination exists. But that's not going to be an excuse for holding me back because I will do what it takes to upskill and do the learning to make myself a qualified applicant. Now, you are so right. People get into interviews and sometimes they say, oh, that one's old, toss it. If they're lucky, usually people are applying online. The algorithm finds an excuse to kick them out. You know, they say, what year did you graduate high school? Or what, Mm -hmm. you know, there are all Mm -hmm. these tricks for figuring out who's old. Mm -hmm. But the reason they're getting kicked out is there's an assumption that they aren't current. So what you have to do better, and it's easier to do because you've got more longevity in your profession, is use a network that you're targeting and really going guerrilla with. Because if you get someone to bring you in, you can get beyond the bias. I love that. Okay. The way you put that, I think, was so brilliant. I think it's about how can I stay relevant so I stay within that percentage there. So I wanted to find with you, though, real quick, because I think this can get confusing for a lot of people, what the word relevant means. So how do I know that something is relevant for me, considering that there are tons of different industries out there and tons of different types of jobs? What does relevant mean? The first thing relevant means is responsibility because you are taking responsibility for your relevance. And that means you're not waiting to learn what you need to know or be told to study something at work. So you go to Google or whatever search engine you use, but we know it's Google, and you search trends in and then fill in the blank with the name of your industry and then see what the trends are. And then you drill down deeper. 
artificial intelligence trends in the blank industry, blockchain trends in the industry, and the things that you don't know, you learn. And sometimes it is very intimidating and it's hard to admit you've got a deficit. But if you don't do a little tough love on yourself, you're not going to have a viable career. It will kick the bucket. So you can do this actually very easily. And I'm a big fan of, well, of YouTube. Let's, I've got a YouTube addiction. And so blockchain, that's a, a technology that I didn't understand at all. It's what they use in cryptocurrency. It's also what's used a lot in supply chain. It's used in so many different industries now. And I couldn't even understand this idea that there's one piece of data and it travels and it was so confusing. So I went to YouTube and I watched a bunch of 10 minute YouTube videos and I was more confused than when I started. <laughs> and Isn't then I found right a four minute YouTube video on how to teach blockchain to a child. And I watched it and then it was like, oh, I get it. So find the easiest way to learn it. And then when you need to apply it, you don't need to be a programmer. Let's right. get that straight. You need to know how to apply technology to trends in your industry. Yes. So there are two websites that I like more than ever. There are lots of places for online learning, but I love edX.org. So that's edX.org and Coursera.org, C-O-U-R-S-E-R-A.org. These two websites have an endless array of opportunities for you to learn about technology, innovation, your trends, and they're taught at Ivy League and major institutions from the best professors in the world. And the best part of it is it's free. So I've taken leadership from Berkeley and my favorite is I took a class in innovation at MIT. Now, doesn't that sound like I'm all that to be able to say that? But really, I signed up for the class. That's the first one I did. Signed up. First test came around. I was like really concerned. I had to get a good grade on the test. And then it occurred to me, Vaughn, you have your master's degree. You don't need another degree. What you need is information. And when I stopped thinking about performing on the tests, because I don't care if I flunk the test or not, I just want the information. Then I learned I could get through these courses quickly get what I needed from these great professors and move on to the next thing. These are free opportunities to upskill and you can list them on your resumes. You can't say right. I was a student at MIT, but right. you can say you took a class in innovation through MIT yes. and that you did artificial intelligence at Harvard. And even though you weren't students there, it shows you are insatiably curious an active leader who's taking responsibility for your relevance. Yes. And then one more thing is you have to read. And you read magazines, you read the Harvard Business Review, you read the Wall Street Journal and Inc. and Fast Company and all of these things, Bloomberg, New York Times, whatever. You don't have to read every article, but just know what's going on. Read the summaries, because then you have things you can drop into conversation that show you are insatiably curious again <laughs> and that you are an active learner. I was just going to say, I think that what you've said in the last five minutes should give job seekers so much hope. And especially for those people who, you know, I come with a lot of people who say that they're afraid of a resume gap or a career gap. They've maybe they've been out of work for several months or several years and they ask, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to not look bad when I'm applying for jobs? And I think you've given people a really strong solution, which is to stay relevant during that time 
when you may feel like you haven't been in your career or in the job that you want to be in. So taking these classes through edX and what that's going to do is it's going to give you so much leverage when you're writing that cover letter and when you're in an interview and you're going to have something to talk about when people ask, what have you been doing in the last six months to stay relevant? So thank you for bringing that point up. I think that was really not only just practical and useful, but also just really inspiring and helpful for for people who may feel like they need to get their feet picked back up. And I have to say, though, you have to do that so you have something to offer. But the bigger question is, how are you going to get an interview and how are you going to get in front of them? And that's your network. And that's important. That's the most important thing in the world. I want to unpack that in a little bit here. But before we talk about networking and other advice you have for job seekers, I just want to say that coming from an empathetic perspective and coming from experience, I know that when I have to learn something new or to stay relevant, I feel like it's intimidating. And I feel like it is just going to be this really big, tall order that I won't be able to fulfill in time. Do you have any maybe mental strategies or gameplays for people who feel like this is just too much and too intimidating? I share one of them in in my book, Coming Back. When I was a reporter, and I'm thinking this is probably around 1996 that this happened. I worked in a newsroom, big newsroom, and we were going to get these machines that were going to connect us to something they called the information superhighway. And they said, you'll get trained on it, and it's going to have all this information, and information superhighway, information superhighway, information superhighway. It's all we heard about. And then I went on vacation and they had the training for the information superhighway when I was gone. So I came back. I said, when is the makeup training? And there wasn't going to be one. And I kept seeing all the other reporters going across the room to the information superhighway machines and they knew how to use it. And I thought in my mind, my career was over because I didn't know how to use the information superhighway. For three weeks, I watched it in fear. And then finally, The woman who sat across from me came back from using the information superhighway. And I said, Karen, I don't know how to use the information superhighway. And she goes, oh, come here. So she takes me to the machine, sits me down, pulls up something that was called a search engine, said, what are you working on? I said, oh, I'm doing a series on casino gambling in Colorado. She said, okay, type that in. So I typed it. And then she said, hit search. And then all these links came up and she said, okay, click one. And it opened this useful article. And she goes, okay, now you know how to use the information superhighway, which of course was the internet. (laughs) But you think it's so much worse than it is when you're behind. And it really may not be that big of a deal. So you just have to start. You have to start and have the confidence that you'll figure it out. There is always something that makes it easy enough to understand. Oh my gosh. I love that story because everyone knows the internet now and it's this this essential part of everyone's life right now and imagine if you had not jumped right into it at the time and you know i think even then you know this is one of the best things that we need to realize is we're not going to be perfect at something we have an episode coming up in a little bit about perfectionism and the things that stop people from even executing in the first place i think for you to get the message out to just start and not worry about making it, you know, absolutely perfect. I think that's just a great story to get people going. Well, you you have to do it. There's no choice. Absolutely. So let's talk about advice you have for job seekers, how people can actually get noticed and get the job. You speak about networking as one of the most important things that we can do. 
What advice do you have for people to start there? So that's the most important thing if you are in a harder to place category. So any of the older people, people who've taken extended time outs, if you're in a category where you think it's going to be harder, then networking is critical because you cannot count on indeed.com or glassdoor.com. No way. Most people can't. But if you're in a hard to place category, it's not going to happen. But what you can count on is the human element and your ability to sell yourself as a human being. So in my life as a leadership speaker, I've always taught people how to build strong networks. And I say your network is not something you build by making business contacts. It's by building friendships so that if you want to introduce yourself to me and tell me what you do and shake my hand, and then if you think you're in my network because you know that I'm a best-selling author and a speaker and whatever, that's not how to connect with me. You really need to say, oh, I saw that you also have a pit bull or you're an <laughs> you're avid also kayaker. A fan or something. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. It's like, oh, I grew up in Michigan too. Something that connects them to you on a personal level. You go personal and then you build relationships. Now, you may not have the people in your network that you need. And I have two strategies for that. One being on LinkedIn, you pick the 10 companies you're wanting to work with. And that's straight out of JT O'Donnell. She calls that the bucket list. And you go there and on every company that you want, you start adding people and among them, some leaders. And as these people start to post, you comment on their posts that's really a great idea or whatever. And then sooner or later, then you, after they start to notice you are commenting on their stuff, then you send an email. Because if you start, you add somebody and then immediately ask for something, they hate you. You are nobody to them, right? But if you've built some sort of a connection, they may read the thing. And then you just comment on something they posted or something. And then after you've started a little bit of back and forth, say, you know, I'm really interested in your company. And what I need is someone in there telling me how to break through. Is there a way we can do a 15 minute Zoom and coffee? And a lot of people will say yes. Some will say they'll just put it off or not answer. But so what? You just keep going until you hit with someone and somehow you're going to get someone who helps you break through there. The other thing you can do is start a bigger networking circle by having somebody who has mentored you do wine and Zoom or what do we call it? FaceTime and wine. And then say, next week, can you bring someone who's mentored you? And then the next week, someone who's mentored that person. And then you build a network that's ratcheting up quick, quickly with power in it. Now, having a network and using it are two different things. Some people find it difficult to ask for favors. It tends to be easier for men than women. And so you just have to make peace with the fact that if you want a network that's of use to you, you have to ask for exactly what you want. So that means you say, hey, there's a position open. It's job number 6541, and it's going to be filled by such and such department. Can you make connection with someone over there? Carry this resume over. And then, or, and you know, it's going to have to be emailed right now because nobody's there in the build. But can you send this over? And then after you've told the person about me, set up an email introduction. Because you have to say what you want specifically. And I always say that when you do that, you say right in the subject of your email, I need a personal favor or just personal, personal favor. favor. Yeah. Because then they know you're calling in a chit and you only get to do it once from that person, at least once every four or five years. So use it, use that chit. 
I want to hear because we talked about it. And if you feel comfortable with sharing the story about when you did that in the past and how it turned out. Yeah, I had a friend who was job hunting for a very long time and it wasn't going anywhere. And it was getting dire to the point where she was just about homeless. And so I had already sent her resume out, but I wrote six people in my network and I said, personal favor. And on the inside, I said, this is somebody who is so good at what she does, needs our support. It's someone that I believe in, that we should believe in. We have to get her a job right now. And within two weeks, she had a job that paid her $80,000 a year because I used my clout to call in the chit. So sometimes you have to use your clout to get someone else to use their clout. And it just depends on the situation, how, how much clout they will expend, but it worked. You know, it's just sending the resume is not going to do it, especially in if you're in a tough to fill category. Thank you for saying that. I guarantee you someone needed to hear that on this show right now, because first of all, I think if you look at it, the grand scheme of things in the last 10 minutes, us talking about networking, which is a dirty word for a lot of people, people hate to hear the word networking. I think you've given some real honest examples of how we can do this organically without feeling like it's this thing where I have to put on a name tag and turn into this robot and shake hands. And you illustrated the difference between a friend and a business connection, because you're right. Whenever I think of a business connection, I think of that random person on LinkedIn who I accepted a request to, but I never spend any time thinking about. You're saying that it goes deeper than that. We have to go deeper to develop real authentic connections, correct? Right. And it could just be that your kids are the same age. Something. There is something. There's always something. Wow. This has been great. I want to hear if you have any other words of advice for job seekers when it comes to staying relevant. How can we stay relevant? Well, my advice for staying relevant is to just always have something that you're learning that is a challenge to you at all times. And keep chasing that and redefining yourself with relevance and then making sure people know you're doing that. So you sprinkle your conversations with something you read in the Harvard Business Review and you talk about the class that you took. So that's really, really important. Now, do you want my general advice for people who are getting frustrated too? Absolutely. I want to hear that because I know there there are people listening who are dealing with that. People who are not getting results. What advice do you have for them? Well, other than buying my book, it's this. I want to start to talk about my feet because I have feet that for some reason don't like to walk as far as I do. So I like to walk, if I'm doing a long beach walk, eight to 13 miles. But at mile seven, my feet hurt really bad, like really bad. And I'm not talking about feet, people. I'm talking about you and what you're going through because it's starting to hurt. And when my feet start to hurt, I've learned that if I just tell myself next step, left, next step, right, left, right. And if I keep taking one more step and then the next, I get there. Even if it's painful, I get there. So that's what you have to do when you're starting to get frustrated. This is a moment when you can really lose confidence in yourself. Don't take this personally. Don't take the rejections personally. There are a million reasons to say, I'm a loser, but it's not you. There are millions and millions of people who are feeling it. What you have to do is something that they're not doing. And that is making up your mind that no matter what, you're going to take the next step and then the next and the next. And how you do that is you make a list. And it could be something where every day you're going to get on LinkedIn for an hour and comment on people's posts and that you're going to, you know, 
arrange every week to have a networking Zoom call and whatever it is, have a long list of things you can do because it might seem like you're just making busy work, but you're not. You're taking the next step and the next. And I promise you, if you don't stop, sooner or later, you will get to where you need to go. Absolutely. I think a lot of people wait until they feel good or they feel a certain way before taking action. And I know for me, at least it's my case, I'll wait until I feel awesome before I go to events and before I get on LinkedIn and start taking the action. But I think what you're saying is so powerful because when we may not feel good and strong and maybe we feel a little beat up because we got rejected the last 50 times in a row, but you're saying don't rely just necessarily on that. You just got to keep taking that next step and and just trusting that eventually it's going to work out. Can I tell a quick story? Are we, do you have enough time? Please. I'd love to hear it. When my first book was in my head and starting to come out and finally being sent to publishers, it was rejected everywhere. And while I was trying to figure out what I needed to do, and don't worry, it had a happy ending. It was an Oprah book and it was a bestseller, but it took three years to get it to that point. And while I was struggling, I was a starving author because I had quit my job to write this book. And I finally realized I needed to get a job. So I live in Florida and there was a job opening as a professor at Manatee Community College where I had gone right after high school. And it was a junior college and I had taught graduate students and college students at at universities for a dozen years. So I was a good professor, great reviews. But I was also a four-time Pulitzer-nominated journalist who would be a great journalism professor because I knew how to cover everything. I, it was just such a slam dunk. So I applied for that job. And do you know, I never even got an interview. And it made me really mad. So being that I was a reporter and knew the public records law in the state of Florida, I requested all of the applications for people who had been interviewed. And there was one interview. And the job went to that person who had Oh, wait, no, there was one interview and then I think two placeholders that they weren't going to talk to. Okay. But it was somebody whose only journalism experience wasn't even journalism. He had a talk radio show in Des Moines, Iowa on Saturdays, right? Now, mind you, as a reporter, I had covered plane crashes and fires and Mm -hmm. there was somebody who is still in prison because he killed somebody and I found out he had gotten away with murder and like all these many, many things that I had done. This person had never covered a story ever. And he was going to be their journalism professor. So I said, I knew somebody who was a professor there. I said, why did they hire this guy? And she goes, oh, he's been teaching part-time there for a long time. That was filled before they even posted it. And in my brain, when I didn't even get an interview, I was horrified. Right. What was wrong with me? It right. wasn't me. There's always something else that you may learn to explain it. And so do not personalize it. Honestly, in A time like this, even if you get a thousand rejections, apply for the thousand and first, because sooner or later you will break through. Von Germer, thank you so much. You're speaking to my heart here. You're speaking to the hearts of all the people listening to this podcast. And I always, I joke that I benefit on a selfish level in hearing people like you talk. And it's really encouraging for me because I'm going through all the same things, you know, oftentimes that the job seekers listening to this podcast are, you know, I'm trying to make, trying to get my music out there. And, you know, I'm I'm putting all this heart and soul into it. And, you know, it's, 
filled with rejections and I'm trying to grow this business. And that's also filled with tons of rejections as well. So, you know, on behalf of people like me who are trying to accomplish something, we thank you for, you know, sharing that story and just giving all the advice that you did during this podcast to keep us taking that next step forward. So thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. So Fawn, how can we find out more about you and what you're up to? And I want to hear a little bit about this book. We've had it crept into this episode here, but tell us more about all of that. Okay. So, because we know that it just came out two weeks ago, so I have to shamelessly promote it, but it's called Coming Back, How to Win the Job You Want When You've Lost the Job You Need. And definitely there's a lot on job hunting on it, but a big chunk of the book looks at what you have to do to brand yourself as relevant when you're still working, because a lot of people don't realize that they are in a death spiral with their career. So that is available everywhere. And you've got a link to that. And also I've got something that I'm happy to send to people for free which is, uh, I've got two PDFs, one on what we talked about and just taking the next step and the others on how to recharge your career during COVID. There's that. And then I love hearing from people. My website is fawngermer.com and that's spelled F-A-W-N like Nancy, like Nancy G-E-R-M like Michael, E-R.com. So fawngermer.com. Love to hear from you. It's got all my links to all my social media there and, you know, just, people hang in there. I'm in this with you and for you. Perfect. Vaughn, thank you so much for coming on the show. You were an excellent guest and can't wait to stay in touch. Thanks, Chris. All right. Listeners, this wraps up our 203rd episode of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior podcast. Can't believe we've made it so far on this journey here. And I'd like to tout that, you know, each episode is unique in its own special way. And uh, with this episode in particular, I loved hearing the insight from Fawn. I loved hearing from someone who's been in it how to stay relevant and how this can lead us to better job search success. Whether you are dealing with age discrimination, perhaps feeling like you have been left out in recent years, or perhaps you're going through a transition, or perhaps you're dealing with that 1,000 rejection right now, I think that this was a really good, insightful episode to help us get through there and help us to actually increase our value as job seekers and professionals. So if this really resonated with you, I'd recommend going back and listening again, because repetition is the key to learning in many instances. And also make sure to tag both of us on LinkedIn. If you would like to share this episode with your own network, we always love hearing from our fellow LinkedIn connections about how these episodes are useful. So I'll make sure to include all the links that Fawn talked about here. And I'll also make sure to include the LinkedIn profiles as well. So this wraps up episode 203. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you next Monday. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.